this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, this week, it's Halloween, Jay. We get we get weird nicknames to go along with with Halloween. So you're Jay, the um, I don't even know. I what's what? Well, you know, <laughs> you know on people on Twitter, people. I would be Jason. Their, Jason. Oh yeah, you would be. We're Friday the Thirteenth. I was on, gonna dude. try to rhyme something with your last what's name. His last, what's his last name? Voorhees. Voorhees. I'm Jason Voorhees. Jason Voorhees Ziak, and <laughs> I don't know what Ida would be. There's there's no Timothy or Tim. That's uh, there's got to be a serial killer named Timothy. No, we're all pretty good, Jay. We're all upstanding <laughs> citizens. Okay, I guess yeah. we did get into that with um, Tim Casher. Yeah, we did. Tim's are all pretty like laid back, kind of just cool dudes, you know. Just wanna just wanna hang, talk some music, that kind of stuff. Tim menacing Minichi. That's uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, we're here to talk about a record, Jay, that was suggested to us by Eric Peterson. He's been on the show many times. He's suggested many a records. He specifically wanted us to do this record. Like he suggested it way back in the summer and said, "Hey, I'm I'm calling my shot here. You're gonna do this. Is gonna be your Halloween episode." It's the Groovy Ghoulies, Jay. Ooh. And he picked our Halloween episode last year, too, right? Yeah, the Misfits. Misfits. Yeah. But this one is actually landing on Halloween, this episode. So, oh. So last year, it was, a, it was a day early, I believe. This year, we're actually hitting it. Would probably be for the first time since our first season, because that was seven years ago, and there's seven days in a week, and the weeks move one day per year. So, right? Is that how that works? How many times have we been around the sun? I'm not sure how this <laughs> Oh my God, you're making my head hurt. I got to do some astral uh, projections here. Uh, we're doing the 1997 album. Thank you for picking an album from 1997. Reanimation Festival came out on Lookout Records. Jay, were you familiar with the Groovy Ghoulies? Uh, I want to say that the name came up sort of in my late 90s uh, Swedish rock, garage rock time. Sure, that would make sense. Frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I don't remember ever listening to the band or really knowing much about them. Okay, me neither. So let's give some info on this band. They're from Sacramento, California. Uh, They formed in 1983 and continued on through 2007. The uh, core of the band was bassist and vocalist Jeff Alexander, who played under the name Kepi, and uh, Kepi's wife, Rochelle Roach Sparman, who was the guitarist in the band. And they were the the core of the band. They added um, a variety of drummers and uh, second guitar players. Unfortunately, Sparman and Alexander, who were married, ended up getting divorced. And that kind of put the kibosh, as they say, on the band. So that's why they ended up breaking up in, in 2007. So they did put out an, a number of records between 1989 and um, 2007. First album was Appetite for Androchrome. That came out in 1989 on Crimson Corpse Records. 1994, Born in the Basement. 
1996 World Contact Day, which was their first album on Lookout Records. Then the one we're reviewing, Reanimation Festival, 1999's Fun in the Dark, 2000 Travels with My Amp. Then they moved to Stardom Records and in 2002 released Go Stories in 2003 Monster Club. And then their final full length was 99 Lives in 2007. And then in 2014, an album was released called Flying Saucer Rock and Roll, which was their first three seven inches remastered into a full length EP. And then they put out a number of EPs and uh, singles over the years as well as split singles with a variety of different bands. And they've been on a bunch of different compilation albums and and tribute albums to uh, a variety of bands. So, Jay, we need to welcome to the Patreon family, Matthew, I'm going to slaughter your last name, Markinkowski. Markinkowski. Welcome to Dig Me Out. Welcome where... Part of the... Yes. <laughs> where you get hazed by Tim because he can't pronounce your name correctly. Marcinowski. Marcinowski. Assuming the C is a soft C and not a hard C. It's it's jogging, Jay, not jogging, right? That's right. Okay. Last I checked. Okay. Jay, we didn't get any comments on this particular episode. However, wow. Eric asked us to consider two questions. Jay, did you see those questions, or are these going to be new to you? Uh, they're new. Okay. What he do you said, got? He said, are there any tracks on the record that you might think enter your Halloween playlists? So, Jay, when the, when the trick-or-treaters come around, I know you like to pump out uh, <laughs> various tunes through your uh, electronic devices to scare the kids. Are any of the songs going to uh, make it to your playlist? That's going to be one question. And then, did you hear influences beyond the Ramones in the music? And we'll get to why that's a relevant question from Eric on this particular record. So, Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Reanimation Festival by the Groovy Ghoulies. This was a fun listen. Uh, I enjoyed the simplicity of it for the most part. Mm -hmm. I think it's well executed. I think it's well done. Uh, I get what the band is about. I think they diverge in a couple spots, which we can talk, talk about whether or not they're successful. But for the most part, they're a yeah, Ramones-influenced rock band. I think they spread their wings a little further than the Ramones did. Um, so sure. chunky guitars. really love the guitar tones on those, too. I mean, for if you're going to do music this simple, um, I don't know. I, I think you could, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer you got to get the tones right because you're listening to, you know, a lot of E chords or, you know, yeah. and C chords. So sure. Uh, pounding. And, um, I think to do a good job of founding a, finding a good, good sound and engineering on the record where it's it sounds big. It sounds, uh, powerful. Um, it's got some grit to it, but it's still, um, accessible, I guess. Uh, you know, it's, yep. uh, they mix the vocals nice and loud. So it's kind of got a pop in a way in a, strange way it's got like a pop uh, rock production to it and uh, without going overboard yep so yeah i just overall i i guess what i liked about it is just fun like it's, e it's an easy listen um you get through the record pretty quick kind of a nice little like i don't know break i suppose if you're listening to stuff that's a little bit more serious or heavy or whatnot you know to kind of this is a nice little little mint mm -hmm. to drop in 
uh, to your to your uh, to your day and uh, kind of puts a smile on your face. So I dug it, and I, and I like um, in terms of the Halloween stuff theme. I do like the some of the imagery when they go there. The sort of campy monster movie kind of stuff that they drop in here and there. Um, I think they do it pretty well. I mean, I, some bands doing it in a way it's kind of like, what are you talking about? I, I can't relate to this and understand what, like, it's just kind of goofy, but I think the way that they use it, um, graveyard girlfriend, I think is one, it's a good example of, and, uh, actually the zombie crush, I think are two where they, they use it to kind of create some metaphors that are actually meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of fun. So yeah, quite a few things to like. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Just to circle back on what you just said about um, the songs that work well, those are two. And then also, uh, That's That, which is a grand total of about uh, 35 seconds, <laughs> uh, has a great line. It says, uh, I need you like zombies need brains. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, yep. just to, to touch on the theme of the of the record. Yeah, I think Eric brought up the Ramones. Obviously, that's a touchstone. I mean, yeah. You know, for this band, but what makes this so enjoyable is that it sounds good, yeah. and so many bands try to do this, but then they maybe have a terrible guitar guitar tone, or the drums sound bad, or they don't quite pull off the vocals, or they don't have the hooks. You yeah. know, and this band is actually able to pull off all of those things. Yes, they do sound like the Ramones, but I mean, like, so do dozens and dozens of other bands that are playing right. in the same space. So what you need to be able to be successful is just come up with your own melodies, make sure your guitars sound awesome when you're hitting that E chord, and make sure your rhythm section is competent and able to hold down the beat. And that's basically it. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny about you know, how many bands can't quite get all those things together, but they're clearly, you know, this was well into their career there there were um uh, what did i say like four or five albums by the time this one came out this are their one two three four, this is our fourth album so clearly they found the sound and figured out how to record and write songs and you know all these songs are are really tight and um there's a couple towards the end which are a little bit longer but i was doing some research and those are actually covers so like um track uh, the second to last song, which is 409, To Go Home, that's a Daniel Johnston song. The last song on the record is actually a Wilson Pickett song, If You Need Me. Okay. So hmm. there's, a, there's a couple a couple of the, you know, the longer tunes. They're paying homage to people that they like. But, I mean, most of these songs are like two minutes. Tunnel of yeah. Love, the opening track, is a little over three. Um, but it's it's a good opening track. They build the song and... 
Yeah. You really get the whole idea of what the band is and what the sound of the band is based on those three minutes. Tracks uh, three through five are like three minutes mm-hmm. to total. So they're almost like a little suite of songs, which is kind of cool. But yeah, overall, in terms of the one thing I liked, I liked the, the overall presentation of, of the band, the sound, the their songwriting and their, and their quirky, uh, unique take on um, rock and punk and uh, throwing in the, the horror elements of some like sort of classic scary uh horror punk uh inspirations they'd be i guess like 1950s and 60s sort yeah. of stuff yeah that's what i was thinking like monster movie kind of stuff yeah. zombies and frankenstein and that sort of that sort of thing i mean classic haunted houses and i, I guess there's a charles manson reference on here somewhere but yeah um, most of it is you know, more uh, using classic metaphors and imagery. Now, was there anything that did not work for you? Yeah, I, I mean, it's not a perfect record. So uh, I guess another influence I, I heard, actually a couple, but one is it be an influence and one would be a peer. The influence would be Chuck Berry. So mm-hmm. Graveyard Girlfriend, I think, is very Chuck Berry-esque. Graceland is very Chuck Berry-esque and to the point of sounding almost identical to Johnny B. Good at times. And obviously, it's a little bit of an Elvis yeah. nod. Yep. When they go to that, I mean, there's parts of it that I like, but overall, I think the songs aren't quite as good when they get that heavy into that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I like when they vary just a little bit from the Ramones formula, and that could be from, you know, Tunnel of Love, where it's sparse for the kind of the first half of the song, and then they build things in, which is, you know, just dynamically, just a little bit of flavor to make it you know, different. Yeah. I really like the song Maze Effect, which almost to me sounds like New Order-ish in that there's this bass line that comes through and like all of these guitar melodies that are in that song that and his vocals kind of distorted. It, to me, that song doesn't sound like much else on the record. I um, think that one's a cover too. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, I, I like that. And it makes me think that to go back to what I don't like, you know, his vocal is a little tough. I think he, 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 he pulls it off, but there are some times when it's, you wish he had a little bit more there to, to do, uh, you know, it's very nasally and yeah, you know, there's not a ton of, there's not a ton there to, for him to do with his voice. Um, yep. So when they do add an effect, it, it it does help it a little bit to just vary from song to song. I don't, I didn't love the last song because it was a really like you could tell it was. I didn't realize it was a cover, but it's in that classic '50s style ballad style, and those really those types of songs really need a pretty good singer. So like musically, it sounds yeah. fine, and obviously the song is a quality song. It's a Wilson Pickett song, but just vocally, it doesn't quite work for me to to be doing that style of song with his voice. What's funny is that when he gets real like nasally on like the more mid tempo or slower stuff, the person he reminded me of was uh, Mark Olson from the Jayhawks. Like when he's not singing with Gary Loris. And they're not hmm. harmonizing. He has this like very high nasal voice that uh, kind of cuts through. Yeah, he makes it work. You know, Mark Wilson makes it work. I understand what you're saying with regards to this. Like, I felt like "Evading the Grays" was a cool song, yeah. but like it needed him to either double his vocal or to have a female vocal doubling him. It would. I think it would have sounded cool. But by himself, it sounded kind of thin. um it's a really good song too like i think the chorus of that song is really catchy i mean it's so simple but the first time you hear it you get it and you're already in your mind singing along to it i agree just a little extra something on the on the vocal would would have really put that song over the edge for me to into something really special but it's i enjoyed that tune quite a bit i had the same thought on the vocal In terms of Eric asked about who do we hear besides as far as an influence, I mean, 
if you strip away some of the distortion, you hear you can hear like, you know, obviously you mentioned Chuck Berry, and there, but there are other like nineteen fifty, like Jerry Lee Lewis mm-hmm. would be there, and then you could hear like the bubblegum pop of like the monkeys in mm-hmm. some of this stuff, or even like the Trogs who did Wild Thing, you know, that kind of like simplistic three chord, you know, garage rock sound. Um, I don't know enough about. Uh, I know the other punk bands get mentioned, like the Dickies, but I don't really know like the Dickies that well. But I saw them mentioned as being an influence on this band, but that's just not a band that I'm all that familiar with. The band that would be a peer of theirs that I thought of a lot is the Upper Crust. Okay. Uh, vocally, he there's times when they sound similar because he sings in that same kind of. Obviously, he's doing like a voice, but. Yeah. He's in that same nasally kind of register. Um, some of the simple, simplistic, you know, just hard rock riffs and tempos. And even when they get like when the upper crust of songs are a little bit less ACDC and more punky, those mm-hmm. are the ones that sounded very similar to me to them, which I didn't expect going in. But uh, that was that was one band from the era that that I think I thought of the most. Yeah. And, I, you know, in terms of horror punk, I don't n- um, that's not a uh, genre I'm all that familiar with. I know that the Misfits are in that same sort of category, but there's not a lot for me that connects the Misfits to this other than them being a punk band. Like to me, the Misfits are playing in a different style. You think that they're because to me, this is a little bit more like innocent. Yeah. And the Misfits yeah. Se- seemed more like menacing to me. Uh, it's darker too. I think yeah. this is. Just, I think this is on the more, it's on the lighter, more fun side. Like I put this on with my daughter in the car, right? And just cranked it and I didn't have to worry about it and thought, you know, she'd probably pick up on a couple things here and there and think it was kind of fun. But I don't know if I would do that with the Misfits. Right. (laughs) Um, So it's a little bit more accessible. It's, it's dark in spots, but not in the same way, not to the same level. So Okay. Other than maybe, you know, borrowing similar types of imagery at times, but even the imagery is, you know, it's more cartoony. It's less comic book or serial novel. <laughs> right. You know, it's the colors more, the cover of this record is, you know, it's got monster characters on it, but it's like colorful and it looks like, you know, uh, off a cereal box, not, you know, kind of a dull oriented graphic novel. Right, no, it looks it looks like something you would watch as a kid, like on a yeah cartoon or something like that. It do, it doesn't look terrifying in that way at all. Whereas yeah. when you look at like Glenn Danzig and Jerry Only, you're like, oh, those guys are 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 kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, um, and even like the you know the skull right logo, it's just it's just a little bit darker like you said yeah whereas this when i hear this i'm like thinking of like the the archies or something like that like it's sugar sugar yeah. almost so even though they're clearly you know playing with a lot more distortion but that's i'm surprised why- you know what i'm thinking of now i'm surprised there's not like this band of bands like this were almost before the time because like you could probably if you had a band that sounded like this and had this kind of imagery and could kind of put it all together I could totally see like a Nick Jr. show. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. 
with cartoon characters and, you know, this kind of sound and um, the whole thing kind of working, you know? I mean, in some ways, I don't know if you've ever, you probably are past this with uh, with your daughter, but Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. They had a band. It was a pirate yep. band. But it's, and they were, those guys were like punk rock guys who did yep. that music. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that what you're saying, like there totally could have been a punk rock, you know, based kid show around, you know, ghouls and, and whatnot on Nick Jr. or Disney Jr. or what have you using a band like this as its, you know, songwriting right. uh, core. So, yeah. Well, we need to get on the horn with uh, whoever's in charge at uh, <laughs> at Disney Junior and start and pitch our uh, our new I uh, our new um, Doc McStuffins style. Uh, <laughs> they do. I think they do. Didn't they just launch a new show of Monsters something or another? Or maybe that's Netflix. I think one of the two has a new kids show that's like Baby Monsters or something. It's in this ballpark. And I know my daughter plays with uh, Monster High Girls, which are like right the daughters of famous monsters or something and so is that like there's the definitely uh she likes descendants too it's i i guess it's the same concept but different i don't know not the alexander that, payne movie from starring george clooney right but like mo- that kind of stuff is big with kids it's yeah it's like just scary enough that they you know it's kind of fun but not so much that it freaks them out i mean my daughter loves that kind of thing right Makes them feel grown up or something, I guess. I don't know, but sure. Anyway, I think this band was ahead of the time. They That's, might have been more successful now than they ever, ever could have been in the nineties. Yeah, if they had find if they had found a way to, um, it's just a matter of catching the ear of uh, somebody who's you know making one of those shows and they, you know, really like that band or that sound or what have and, you. And and it's so visual, like you could see like uh, Zombie Crush you know, somebody doing a cool animated video for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that to be able to tell that story. Um, right. I could totally work visually. Yep. All right, Jay, let's give our overall ratings on this record. Worthy album, better EP, decent single. Where do you land? Worthy album. Yeah. I like it. it's fun. It's so short too. It's hard to be critical of records that are, you know, this, this concise. So, Worthy album for me. Uh, yeah, it's only twenty nine minutes. I mean, there are literally EPs this long <laughs> that are that are like five songs, and yep. this is twelve. So uh, I'm with you. I don't I don't have a problem with this record. I think there's a couple songs where I might have like we've mentioned with uh, evading the grays. Maybe we would have produced them a little bit differently, or or added things here or there. But overall, it's a fun listen and a um, a great suggestion by Eric Peterson uh, to ring in the uh, All Hallows Eve here on Dig Me Out. We'll have to add some bats and a pumpkin or something to our regular logo for uh, the Halloween episode. I'll have to get into the uh, a Photoshop and manipulate our logo with some with some bad clip art. As long as... <laughs> as, long as uh... Please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh... So, uh, this is probably our, so I mentioned 
you know, we did we just did a request to review, although this one was put in first. Uh, this is technically in terms of airing our probably our last request to review because looking at the numbers, we have twenty seven Patreon subscribers who will be having their twelve month anniversaries next year. Uh, and then you add that into our twelve round tables. So that right there, let's do some math. Twenty seven plus twelve, that's thirty nine. And then we've got ten uh, votes for next year between February and and November. We're going to have weeks where we vote for the albums, where we pick four albums from twenty years ago, and so that's ten plus thirty nine. That's forty nine. Jay, there's how many weeks in the year? There's fifty two. Mm-hmm. So there's only there's only three weeks that we don't have something planned for twenty eighteen. That's cuckoo. Yeah. So what I'm saying is if you want one of those three weeks, it'll cost you $10,000 to make a request <laughs> review. Well, <laughs> well we, did, we did discuss opening a, another tier up, but if you're telling me there's only three slots <laughs> left, I don't know. I mean, I guess we could still try that, but... Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the gold uh, positions on our, on our podcast. So actually, here's what we're going to do. Uh, if you want to buy all three spots, we'll sell them to you for $100. What? I don't know. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. Let me do the business. Jay, Jay will handle the business end. <laughs> I'm, I'm merely the, the, uh, the grunt work on this. I don't. I clearly don't have a good uh, handle on the math of the situation. So, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, you can join us. We still have the one dollar Patreon level available at patreon.com forward slash dig me out where we do cool things like post bonus content like we just recently did our review and conversation on the new Foo Fighters record concrete and gold you can only get that exclusively through patreon which Jay has just added an RSS feed so you can mm-hmm. easily for subscribers only for subscribers only but get now access. you can get those episodes right to your device right to whatever go on the device you're using. Patreon page and look for the poster. Hit us up and we'll get you the feed. Yep. And you also get to vote, like I mentioned, on uh, future album reviews. Uh, we're done for 2017 because uh, nothing came out in December of 20 of uh, 1997. Uh, it's the it's you you know you think that a lot of people we put out records for Christmas, but actually they don't. They just put out Christmas records. So there's a there's a, a drought. So we'll be coming back to that in February of 2018, our, our voting. And then, of course, we do our quarterly contest giveaways to everybody who's a Patreon subscriber. Whether you're a 250 or a dollar level subscriber, you're entered into our quarterly contests. I've already got prize number one. There's going to be two prizes for our fourth quarter of 2017. We'll be announcing that in November going to be two very cool prizes that somebody's going to take home so that's it for jason Voorhees ziak and tim menacing manichi that's still it's just not good not a good halloween nickname we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out thanks for listening to support the podcast visit www 
patreon.com forward slash dig me out and become a monthly subscriber or request a review at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages, as well as our merchandise store at Zazzle.com.